Mocktails. Ooh, ooh. In episode 44, we dedicate a portion of our show to dry January by tasting Liar's American Malt, non-alcoholic spirit. We do indeed. And ahead of this Friday's release of the new whiskey film, The Water of Life, we're delighted to say that we're joined by the film's director, Greg Swartz to discuss this inspirational new whiskey documentary. As always, you can see some more whiskey-based content, images and videos on all our social media platforms at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. We can. You can also see Dave's silky new face on there too. And it would help us out if you rated, reviewed and subscribed on all your favourite podcast platforms. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to episode 44 of the Whiskey and Things Podcast. I am Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to you on... I thought it was Blue Monday today, but I think that's next week. No, it is this week. It is this week. I've had a few people tell me it's today. But there's a so, Monday yeah, next for, week as well, in the, in with a full week in the. There, there are lots of Mondays in January. No, but there's January. a whole week next week. It's not like this is the last Monday in January, is it? I don't think it is the last Monday. It's the middle January Monday. Why it's is always it the, middle the middle one? one. I thought it was the one like where you're the most poor because it's after Christmas before the payday. No, it's the it's the middle one. That's weird. Well, uh, happy Blue Monday, everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's when we're recording it. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be different. I mean, I have no idea. But do you think it's going to be different this year, Nick? Because normally, Blue Monday is partly because, you know, after all the activities you've done in December, you go into January and don't do anything. And by the time you get to mid-January, you're just like, oh, I've had enough already. I've had enough. But we've had a whole year of not doing anything. So maybe everyone had their Blue Monday last April. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> this is such a happy way to start this episode, doesn't it? You brought you brought it up. I, I didn't know. bring it up, did I? I just saw right. it. So I had nothing. You know, I usually get that. What have you been up to, Nick? And I've not done much this week. So I thought I'd just like. So wish you thought you'd just go straight in with a depressing Blue Monday? Brilliant. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Things we're doing a non-alcoholic whiskey today. I thought I'd perk everyone up with a. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, it's worked a treat. I'm, I'm definitely now perked up. You're welcome. <laughs> let's just, let's just get on with this. Crack on. <laughs> Whiskey bots roll out. So, as you just uh, pointed out, there, Nicholas, um, we decided to do something a little bit different this week. It is dry January, so this week's whiskey. This week's spirit, Dave. Is it a spirit if it's got no alcohol? This week's non-alcoholic spirit. They, yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> this week's beverage is the <laughs> Liars American Malt non-alcoholic spirit, 0% ABV. Yeah, this was an idea I had uh, a couple of weeks ago. A, a, a good friend of the pod uh, who's been very generous to us is, is Amar. And you may have heard us talking about it a few times. He often uh, contributes to the show and he doesn't even drink. doesn't drink. listens every week. He doesn't even drink. But as a result of, of us doing this podcast, he a few months back, he messaged me saying he'd ordered a bottle of this Liars to, just to see if it was any good. Obviously, he's got nothing to compare it to um, in terms of real whiskey, but... It, it triggered an idea in my head that we should do it for at some point in January. We should try it as well. So he very kindly sent us a couple of samples. Yeah, thank you, Amar. Which, yeah, thank you very much, Amar. Uh, and we are going to try this. So this 
you know, yes, it's dry January, um, but also, let's be honest, there are certain times when you have to go out and you can't drink. You may be on medication. Uh, you might be the designated driver. Uh, there's, there are many. You might be pregnant. There are many reasons why you might not be able to have enjoy a normal whiskey. So it's good to know that there are alternatives because sometimes you just want to have something a little bit different when you're on your nights out rather than just having another orange juice or a Coke. I know when I've been designated driver, you just get bored with Coke after a while, oh, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's fizzy. It's, yeah, sugary. Yeah, orange juice is expensive as well if you keep getting that every single round. It's not as cheap as you think it's going to be. So, yeah, so this is, it, uh, we're looking at a, um, an alternative today, yeah. hopefully. It's, it's just nice to have something in your hand which is a bit different and maybe, I don't know, fancy. Like, I like a non-alcoholic cocktail as well, like that. Fancy. Yeah, I know. Fancy. Fancy. Yeah. It just makes you feel more part of what's going on, doesn't it? It makes you feel part of the fun, Dave. Part of the party. Absolutely. So, Nick, tell me about the distillery, which... Uh, <laughs> give, me, give me the history yeah, of this gonna... distillery. I'm assuming it was established in 1849, oh, yeah. and uh, it, it, it gets its water from the uh, the River Way. Uh, I, I, what, what have you got for me? Uh, yeah, it was actually established by a pirate um, <laughs> it, on the Isle of uh, on the Isle of Skye, um, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I didn't see that coming, actually. No. No, no, because it was a lie. Um, that's a good play on words, actually. <laughs> Li- liars is a good little play on words. Oh. I'm assuming that what it is. I didn't read anything otherwise. But to be honest, I couldn't find much on this because it's, it's a pretty new company. Um, they only launched back in July 2019. Their headquarters are in, it sounds German, but it's in Australia. Lichthard. Lichthard. There, it's in Lickhard, is it? L, I'm going to spell this for the listeners. L-E-I-C-H-H-A-R-D-T. There's a little T on the end. And that's in New South Wales. Lickhard. New South Wales, Australia. But this is manufactured in the UK. <laughs> Dave's it's in, gone. Anyway. It's, in, it's interesting that you called it liars, because I, and it makes sense in terms of the pun. Yeah. I get it. But I, think I it's always, that. when I've seen it, I've always pronounced it as liars. Right. But actually, it makes a lot more sense. Yes. I've watched a couple right. of videos today and it's pronounced liars. So. Ah, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Good play yeah. on words. Good play on words. Yeah, there's not much online about this. Obviously, it's not, not like a nice distillery. Well, Probably a lovely company with lovely people, but in terms of having a heritage, um, it's pretty new. So I looked about here and there, and the best bit I found about this company was on their LinkedIn page of all places. God, right? you did go deep. If you're going on LinkedIn to search something, that's that's crazy. Well, that's the go thing on. because that's where I needed to find out when they launched because I knew it was a new right. company. But that's where I found out that. But I found this, and whoever wrote this, well done you. Right, this is their overview on uh, LinkedIn. Many years in the making, Liars' exquisite range of lovingly crafted alcohol-free classic spirits was born from a quest to make the impossible possible, to provide an alternative to those who don't wish to imbibe alcohol, but do wish to still enjoy the mirth, merriment and social intercourse of an evening soiree or shindig. This is a good test to see if you are pissed because you wouldn't be able to read this otherwise. You know, you know have some of the, 
have some of this liar's whiskey and then try and read this. It actually <laughs> proves that it's like non-alcoholic. Anyway, this is not just any alternative. Every liar's spirit looks, tastes and sachets around the palate just like the original. And yet, the absence of giggle juice enables <laughs> revelers to remain clear-headed, of good cheer and in fine fettle to pursue whatever tickles their fancy the following day. Lies is the finest range of non-alcoholic classic spirits in the world has ever seen, etc. That's fantastic. Um, I look forward to the piece of music you play, place underneath <laughs> that, Nick. Uh, that's amazing. So yeah, yeah they, do, they do lots of different spirits, don't they? They oh, don't mate, just loads, do yeah. whiskey. They're, they're, they're covering all grounds for everyone. Yeah, they are. I mean, the ones I've known down here, they do one called the Dry London Spirit, which is a, a clear a gin. gin. Gin, really. Aperitif Rosso, which could be a substitute for Campari or Vermouth. They do three different rum substitutes, I reckon. They do one called Dark Cane Spirit, White Cane Spirit, and Spiced Cane Spirit. Um, they have a coffee originale, which looks to me like it might be like, you know that coffee Patron or Patron? Yeah. However you pronounce it, that tequila. And um, they also have an absinthe. But they've got a bunch of other ones as well on there. So go take a little look on the website. But um, I'm not sure these are meant to be drunk, especially the whiskey. They're very much pushing the fact that they're substitutes for cocktails. Yeah, okay, right. So whether or not we're going to try this neat today, probably will, just a little bit. But I might do something else with it as well. They're quite cool. I mean, um, on their site, students get 15% discount, which is a good little... uh, promotion for them on their website um their website's liars.co.uk if anyone wants to go check those out but um yeah the one we're trying today is the american malt which is meant to be their kind of whiskey based substitute okay where, where do we begin with this then do I, should i get my nose in it nick is that what you're telling me i mean i've got it poured into my glencairn like like i normally would nice but i guess because the alcohol fumes don't need to channel anywhere it's not a requirement to be in a Glencairn. No. It, it smells like a brewery. Have you ever been to a, a hoppy brewery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not getting that. It's very sweet for me. It's very it's sweet, but sweet hops. Oh, okay. Sweet hops. No, I'm getting like Demerara or Demerara sugar with a hint of lemon or maybe like treacle. There's an element of, yes, treacle for sure. Definitely that in there as well. Hello, treacle. And, and there's an amaretto kind of vibe going on as well in there. Are you getting that? No, not yet. It is, uh, it's, I don't, I don't say strange. I'm giving it a chance. I'm trying to think. I mean, it definitely doesn't smell like a bourbon. Does it? it right, it's called American malt. Does it smell malty? Let's try that. Well, a little bit, yes. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. So it's done what it should have done then. Got- anyway, let's not get too carried away with that, shall we? No, that's, not, no, we're just, uh, that's the first thing. So, have a little taste. I will do. Lemony on the tip of my tongue straight away. It's so weird. It's so weird because... It's quite nutty. Drinking drinking in that glass, mm. I'm waiting for the burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, and it doesn't kick in. You're right. It is quite nutty. There's a chocolatey vibe to it as well. It's um, very fresh bit, tasting, isn't it? Bit of chocolate on the finish there. Um, it's a completely different kind of consistency for me. When you swirl it around the glass, it doesn't really stick at all. And in the mouth, no. it doesn't coat the mouth at all either. It's not very viscous. For something which Absolutely. I looked on the side, which is mainly made of sugar, um, yeah. when I looked at the ingredients, obviously not, you know, it's a bit more sophisticated than that, of course. 
Yeah, when you know when you really just pour water into whiskey, loads of like if you just add a bit too much water into your whiskey, it's got that kind of feeling on the tongue. Yeah, but it's, that's not unpleasant. It's not unpleasant. That's not. Un- I mean, yeah. You, why would you want to? Why would you just want to drink that on its own? No, I mean, just like that. I mean, you, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. not like you need a shot of it, is it? No. <laughs> so, and would I want a full glass of this on its own? Probably not. That's probably too much. But you could see why they're pushing cocktails because there's flavours in here which are going to definitely come out within a cocktail, for sure. I'm going to put this in an old-fashioned now. I've just had a little sip. Um, on their website, they do actually push a load of different cocktails, but I found one called the Liars Old Fashioned, which is 60 mil of this, um, 5 mil of white sugar syrup, and two dashes of aromatic bitters. Um, I don't have that. I'm just going to use my Angostura, which does have alcohol, but um, same kind of vibe. Back in the jiffy, I'll do a little sound effect. Launcher. <laughs> and he's back. And there we go. That is their version of the old fashioned I'm holding in my hand. Nice big right. wheel of orange in it. Yeah. Um, have a little taste. That's rather pleasant. That doesn't surprise me at all. No. That's really refreshing, Dave. Like, really refreshing. It's different to an old fashioned, but it is really, really nice. That's what I was just about to say. What's, what's the deal there? Like, it. Does it actually taste like an old-fashioned? You've got the bitters in there, which, of course, I put in. Same bitters. Um, the orangeyness is there from a massive wedge of orange. I was wondering why they put a huge wheel of orange in it when they made it online. <laughs> I've made, I was thinking maybe that was something to do with it. One sec. He's proper necking it now. He's going to get hammered. He's going to get hammered. Mate, mate. It's going to go to his head. It's got more of a citrusy vibe. Oh, that was really nice. That's really refreshing. It doesn't cling like an old-fashioned. It doesn't have that viscous texture it's similar but completely different i'd make this again to be honest excellent that's a really nice drink really recommend that really recommend that fantastic it, it does exactly what they advertise to do then it's a great alternative in a cocktail in a non-alcoholic cocktail it's providing a whiskey based flavor to your favorite cocktails without getting you hammered yeah yeah it's a really Which nice alternative that you know, if I was driving, I would order one of these, for sure. Excellent. I've never seen these out in bars, but I wonder how many bars are starting to stock these things because there are now a lot more non-alcoholic options when you're out and about. We're seeing you know, a lot more non-alcoholic beers, uh, which are actually not too bad either. Remember the, yeah. in the, back in the day, if someone had a non-alcoholic beer, it was rank. You're like, what's the point? What's the point? Because it doesn't really taste as good as a, a normal beer. And... You're not getting drunk. So, like, yeah. Do you remember Caliber? Did your dad yeah. used to give you Caliber when in the eighties to pretend you were drinking beer it was with, awful. The mate, with the lads? As back yeah. then, we didn't know any difference. But it it was like, ugh. I'm sure it's a nice beer, but I haven't had it in years and years and years. But when you're that age, you know every beer is horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember Billy Connolly was the uh, on the adverts in there back in the day? I don't remember that actually. No, yeah. but uh, I'm sure you'll put a link uh, link to the advert in the <laughs> oh, show notes. Dave. <laughs> You set yourself up for that one, I set myself up for anything. You did set yourself up for that. You can't go mentioning an advert and then not saying you're going to find it and put it in the show notes. Anyway, right, people yeah. are going to want to watch it. Well. People are going to want to see Billy Connolly talking about that and alcoholic beer. Anyway, you're right. We have come a long way from that. And I think this is just an addition to that. Because ult- ultimately, whenever you know, whether you're drinking alcoholic drinks or whether you're drinking um, non-alcoholic drinks... It, sh- it should be a pleasant experience, especially if, you know, especially if the idea is to be out and be sociable. Yeah. So 
um, it, it, it's good that companies are trying to provide alternatives for that. And I think it's, it's good that liars are doing this. And this is pleasant. Even on its own, it is pleasant. It's not unpleasant. Um, Amar obviously gave it to us, and he doesn't have any context because he hasn't had real whiskey. Hmm. I, I don't even want to consider what the whiskey god would have said. He would have been fair. Because, you know, he'd, he'd be, he wouldn't have been fair. He, he would have been you know, fair. He's tough but fair. Unbelievable. I'm out of here. Or not. Amar's comment is, I quite like it. I like the burn and it sort of tastes like you mix caramel with mineral water, which sounds worse than it actually is. Now, interesting for him, he feels like there's a burn. There's no burn at all. There's no burn. But he's not used to any other kind of burn, so that there may be, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he does say he prefers it mixed in with other drinks. And he particularly sends to go with Coke. Well, he has tried other other sodas and ginger ale. And he did also try and make the same old-fashioned, which you've made there. Mm. Uh, and he said he really enjoyed it. But again, he's got nothing to reference it into in terms of a normal old-fashioned. But ultimately, again, if it means he can have an, a, a different kind of drink when he's out and about, these are in bars. Fantastic. And if you're the kind of person that likes to have a proper cocktail rather than just a spirit and a mixer, then this might be a, be a good thing to have on your shelf in January or whenever you need to not drink. Indeed, indeed. Yes. Um, the Whiskey Exchange actually have a uh, large range of alcohol-free alternatives, which I will link in the show notes. Excellent. Good um, work. I'll also be putting a link to this, the Liars American Malt, in the show notes um, if you'd like to purchase it from the Whiskey Exchange and help out the podcast in the process. Absolutely. And yes. um, what about Dry January, Nick? Is it just is it just a bit of fun, or actually was it... I'm imagining it's probably actually some kind of proper campaign uh, to get people thinking about alcohol and their alcohol use. Is it? Yeah, Dry January uh, is a campaign launched by Alcohol Change UK. If you want to find out more about Dry January on social media, they're at Dry January on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, or you can find Alcohol Change UK at Alcohol Change UK. Again, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, same address everywhere. And if you go to dryjanuary.org.uk, that takes you to the Alcohol Change UK website. Um, and how, how much will a bottle of this stuff set you back, Nick? Um, a bottle of this is uh, same size as normal whiskey, so 70CL is 23.50 from their site. But the Whiskey Exchange at the moment, at the time of recording, are doing an offer for £19.95. I think that's expensive. For a non-alcoholic drink? Yeah. Because essentially it's no different to squash. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure more has gone into it than that. But it's not like it's gone through years of distilling. With an alcoholic drink, you're paying for the the equipment that's required to distill a drink, to distill alcohol. Yeah. And the expertise behind that. I see your point with that. It's more the kind of... uh, Maybe the research that's gone into recreating these flavours, however well that's happened, they've made a nice drink. But, yeah, that's, um, fair, that's fair enough. You know. But that does seem that does seem steep for what is essentially posh squash. <laughs> Liar's drink. Posh squash. Posh squash. It is nice, but, though. But um, yeah. it, again, everyone's everyone will pay what they think they want to what they think is absolutely you absolutely um, anyway thank you again to Amar for sending that over and we hope that we've given you something to think about for dry January yes or sober October or so yeah or whenever you need to not be drinking this is the whiskey god reminding you to please always drink responsibly 
So, um, continuing with our dry January segment, last week we had the pleasure of talking to a lovely guy called Paul Martin. Absolute lovely guy. What a lovely, lovely, lovely man he was. Character. Character. Paul's a world champion and world record holding mixologist. Paul runs a website called bartendertraining.co.uk as well as a site called dreamwhiskies.com, which is a site where you can enter competitions to win whiskies. You know, and some really, really amazing whiskies at that. We'll talk about that more in a few weeks because we actually recorded a full-length interview with Paul, which will be airing around episode 47, I think. But while we had him on Zoom, he made us a couple of amazing cocktails, including an epic non-alcoholic option. God, the two of us lost our yeah. lost our shoot over that, it, didn't it we? Looked, it looks. So we lost good. us. Yeah, it was. It looked amazing, and yeah. seeing someone know, who knows what they're doing doing it all was incredible. Yeah, it was fun watching it. Um, we've actually posted a video of Paul making that cocktail on our Facebook page and on our Instagram TV. Um, it's up now for you to go check it out. But we thought it'd be cool to give you a little bit of a sample of his intro to the cocktail here, just to wet your whistle. <laughs> So, do you want that non-alcoholic one? Yes, please. We do have some. uh, We do have some listeners who don't drink. Are they all called virgin cocktails? Is that still the term? Like a virgin Mary? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a term that's that's used. Virgin cocktails. I mean, like you say, the Virgin Mary actually uses that as part of its title. Virgin cocktails, non-alcoholic cocktails, mocktails. Of course, yeah. Mocktails. Ooh, ooh. Uh, So, one that I've got for you. Is, uh, is, is more of a, it's almost like a dessert, actually. Um, I actually remember when I first started bartending, if somebody came into my bar and asked for a non-alcoholic cocktail, I was almost, I was almost disappointed, so disappointed that I, you know, I, would, I would show them how disappointed I was. Uh, <laughs> it was but it was almost like I didn't feel it was a real cocktail. But over the years, uh, that, that whole area of mixology has become so important. Because if we don't put the effort into making nice drinks that people can enjoy who either are on a dry January or just don't drink, either for health reasons or, or a dietary choice or religious reasons or whatever. Designated driver. Driving home, just precluding people from the fun. Yeah. Anyway, let me show you uh, this drink. And I call it... A, I call it a mango melba, and hopefully that will be clear why I call it a mango melba. So head over to our Instagram page uh, at Whiskey and Things Podcast or our Facebook page at Whiskey and Things and you can see the full video of Paul making us that delicious mango melba. Mango and, uh, melba. S- seriously, it does look amazing. You really do want to go and watch him do that. And he's wearing a great shirt. But also, in a few weeks' time, you'll get that full interview with Paul and uh, it's a good one. He's a great character, as we said. So looking forward to presenting that to you as well. So we did plan on dedicating this whole episode to dry January, uh, but something came up which is time sensitive. We mentioned it in last week's Booze Round segment. I'm not putting the music in. I might have. Oh. I don't know. I'll decide, in. I'll decide later. <laughs> uh, in which Nick told us about this upcoming whiskey film called The Water of Life, uh, which is being released this Friday uh, with a massive six-day Burns Night celebration with nightly screenings and live Q&As with the filmmakers and some of the whiskey personalities appearing on the film. Uh, so we 
got quite lucky because uh, Nick did some work and we managed to get <laughs> an advanced screening uh, of the film. Uh, and as and then even better than that, he arranged for us to talk to the director of the film, Greg Swartz, uh, all the way from upstate New York. And he he was kind enough to to do all that with us. And we watched the film and we had the interview. It was amazing. It was wonderful. So here's a little bit of Greg Swartz talking about the Water of Life. Whiskey, Greg. Welcome to Whiskey and Things. Thank you very Thank much you. for joining us. Um, the Water of Life. I've been looking forward to this for a while because it's been it was put back. Um, so and thank you for the advanced screening. Loved it. Loved yeah, thanks it. for that. Watched it twice yesterday. Um, what inspired you to make a documentary about Scotch whiskey in particular? Well, the so the the I was an exchange student in Scotland in college, and I I've been there loads of times, but my wife had never been. And for our tenth anniversary, we went. Scotland for two weeks and some of my Scottish friends suggested that we were going to go to Dufton and that we should do the Speyside Whiskey Walk and uh, which I don't know if you've ever done but I highly recommend it Not yet. Not um, yet. on the list you basically so. you know it's, it's it's funny because it's uh you know four hours and you drink drams you don't go in the distilleries because it's not official it's just uh this woman Michelle Myron leads you through the town in a line in your high vis with backpacks on and you stop at every distillery and have a dram in the in the uh, like field outside of it she tells you about it and then she gives you food, sort of, you know, biscuits and chocolates and things to pair with it. But in any case, I've been drinking whiskey since I was in Glasgow, but uh, we walked by Glenfiddich and they were, Glenfiddich was having new stills put in and they had the roof off of the, of the still house. And these huge cranes were lowering these stills in and, and standing there looking at these stills, I got to thinking about this sort of where the handcraftedness of whiskey gives way to the industrial side of whiskey. And there is a sort of, you know, it kind of grew out of that. Um, And I was really interested in this sort of heritage of it and the how to of it uh, in a level I never had been before. And when I got back to LA, my business partner is also my next door neighbor. And so he and I sat down on our front stoop and uh, had, had a whiskey and, and chatted about this. And, you know, we really kind of are both big fans of the chef's table series on Netflix. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not a cooking how-to show. It's actually this sort of immersive look at craftsmanship. Mm. And we kind of wanted to take that approach to this right away. And then at first, the first meeting, it was about whiskey. And then it immediately became apparent that that was way too big of a topic for a 90-minute film. So then we just let's start at this source, work our way from there. Amazing. You did some quite in-depth research for this film, I believe. Do you uh, work at a distillery for a week? I did. Yeah. Um, the Glasgow distillery. Um, one of the, it's funny. It, it's just, uh, so one of my friends in Scotland said, I said, I want to get a hold of Jim McEwen and I don't know how to do it. And one of my friends in Scotland is a nurse. And she said, Oh, I went to nursing school with a woman who's from Isla. Let me write to her. So within like four hours, I had <laughs> Jim McEwen's email address. But, <laughs> because that's everyone. just how Isla yeah. is, you know? Yeah. 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 But the other thing that that woman did is she, the way she got Jim's email address was through Rachel McNeil, who runs the Isla Whiskey Academy. And so I met her as well. And then Rachel McNeil said to me, oh, you guys, because I said, I want to do big distilleries and small, old and new. I want a good cross section. And she said, well, if you want if you're interested in new distilleries, you should talk to the Glasgow distillery. Here's their phone number here. Tell them I sent you. Right. And when, when they wrote back, when Liam wrote back, he said, well, why don't you come work here? And so I, I went and worked there. Amazing. 
That's yeah. that's absolutely amazing. How did you find that? Was it was it really hard work? Um, did they have you literally doing everything? Yeah, every day I did a different job, and it, it's the funny. I mean, I was there for a week, so but it and I wasn't. I was never alone doing any of the job. I mean, they would have been fools to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was much more like the first day I mashed in, and it was a lot of you know, turn that lever right there. Which one? That one. This one. Yes, this one. I want to hear triple short. This one. Now, how far? 90 degrees. 90 degrees? Yeah. You know, and I got more comfortable as the week went on. Um, and then so, the, you know, the second I did, um, I mashed in on the first day. And then throughout the course of the week, I did different jobs. And then on the final day, I, they have an in-house Cooper. Right. And I spent the day with him. And then he had me filling casks at the end of the day. So the casks, I, I filled 12 casks of whiskey that I had sort of shepherded through the process over the course of the week. And then I, and to be honest, then I bought one. Um, <laughs> Guess you had to really, didn't you? I really enjoyed this film. I think Thank you. whenever there's a film, which is kind of a documentary, it's always, it's, it's got to be a balance act of how to get the, those really arty shots with stuff where you actually learn things as well, and make it entertaining. And you did all three. You entertained me. I was blown away with the shots and I learned stuff. Um, what, did you give a lot of thought into your shot selection? Because you had some incredible drone shots, some of those shots of the of the cask mountains and things like that, and just of Isla in general, was mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Was Were you aware when you set out making this film that we've got a chance to get some really, really pretty things here as well and make it visually spectacular? Absolutely. Um, we wanted to make a film that looked like whiskey tastes and that, and I, and I, and I, and I, that's why I actually insisted we shoot in November, much to our crew's dismay. You know, um, we could, we were ready to shoot in June, but I wanted to wait until November and because I wanted Scotland to look Scotland, you know, and in, in June it might look like it, but it, you never know. But in November, you know, we got what we wanted. We also had a very talented drone pilot. And then what we did is we actually split him off from the own crew. He had his own car. And every day we all stayed together wherever we were shooting in one big house, we would rent houses and we would stay in the house together. So it was very collegial. There's only eight of us. Uh, And every night he and I would make a list of the next day's drone shots. And he would, I wasn't there. I would give him a list and say, this distillery, I need a approach. We need to cross. He would do this sort of standard kind of selection. And then he would always come up with some stuff on his own. Um, I will tell you the only time I was fully present for a drone shot is actually probably my favorite shot in the movie, which is on the mall of O where there's the seagull in the shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Such a great show. <laughs> if you could hear, if there was audio on that, you would have heard us jumping up and down screaming. We were so excited. Like it looks fake. Yeah. At first I was like, is this CGI? No, that's real. <laughs> it's real. Amazing. Uh, so it's a, it's a really great shot. So, Obviously, we're going to we're going to try and hopefully get some people watching this movie. It, the premise is uh, mainly based around the Brook Laddie and uh, Distillery and and the story of Jim McEwen. And you use a lot of uh, talking heads, and it's it's basically a lot of different interviews. Um, how many different people were interviewed in total uh, for for in the making of this? And there's a few people you can see been done on different days. Was it all your interviews, or have you used some stock footage as well, or some stock interviews? Uh, all the interviews we shot, um, the only stock stuff is, uh, we got, um, you know, Brooke Lottie has worked with for, for, since it's reopening with one cameraman and he, he gave us a bunch of archival stuff that he shot, but not interviews. Yeah. Uh, well maybe, I mean, I'll tell you, there's a line where you see Mark Renier and Jim walking down and they say, um, had anyone ever done this before? Never. 
Would yeah. anyone in their right mind do that? No. Yeah. Whose idea was it? That that's like from their old archives. That's old, you know. Yeah. Um, but all the, I mean, all of the interviews we did, we interviewed eighteen whiskey makers, and we interviewed I think sixteen different sort of commentator, blogger, writers, you know, um, to kind of give some scope and perspective and shape to the whole thing. And then, you know, sadly, we did a lot of interviews we we weren't even able to use. Uh, mm. They just they, there was nothing wrong with them. It just didn't fit for what we needed. And, mm. and it was we were acutely aware of keeping the time down. You know, we wanted to be tight. Yeah, totally. Something we're aware of, we're, we're aware of when we're doing podcasting, yeah, and we, we get, get someone who, who t- t- yeah. says a loads of really great stuff, and yeah. we're like, oh no. Uh, so we yeah. understand that. Are there any plans with that? Uh, for extra footage to perhaps have a load of DVD extras? Yes. Um, we've already made a number of extra scenes that we, we, there are fully cut scenes that were in the movie at one point that got removed. Um, and then there, there's actually, we're working on an, making an entire second sort of supporting film about nice. independent bottling. Nice. We shot, we shot so much stuff about independent bottling that we didn't get to use. And I find independent bottling fascinating. And I, I for the life of me, can't think of an equivalent of that in another industry. Yeah. There's no mm. beer or wine independent bottlers. There's no food independent, I don't know, retailers or whatever. It's it's very unique and it's sort of like this curated experience. And so we, the editor and I, and then one of our crew guys, uh, our sound mixer in Scotland, who also shoots stuff, he's over there now. And he's been, as he can, capturing some extra stuff. We need to do that. Um, we, also, we also spent a full day at Springbank and wound up not really using much of the Springbank stuff we shot at all. And, it's really great. It just didn't kind of fit in with this storyline. Uh, so we're, we're going to kind of edit that down into its own little kind of web short that we're just going to distribute for free. Nice. It's, it's beautiful. You know, spring Rank's a beautiful story mm. and, uh, and a beautiful whiskey. Yeah. Of course you are covering a lot of, you know, Scotch subjects as it were. Did you decide at the beginning you were going to center in on the Jim McEwen, Brooke Laddie story as the main narrative of the film, or did it just evolve into that? It evolved into that and while we were shooting. Well, I, even before we were shooting, when we were planning, we had time, you know, we had set aside time with Balbany. We set aside time with, you know, um, well, Springbank. We set aside time with Gordon and McPhail. You know, we, 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 and we were kind of viewing them as the story will kind of find itself the way the rope, rope is woven. That's hard yeah. to say. <laughs> and the, uh, one of the things that Brooke Lottie had was, well, first of all, let's face it. If you're talking about the whiskey revolution of the last 20 years, they're clearly one of the key figures in it. They're, undoubtedly, they're, you know, they're not the only one for sure. And I think Billy Walker and you know a lot of independent bottlers have just as much of a role in that. But they clearly were the most outspoken. You know, they were the sort of game. They were very. I I, I always think of Mark Renier as like a tech CEO who's like revels in disrupting this business, like this business right. model. Yeah. And they also had so much drama because they were broke. You know, they were. Their, their closure, Isla was struggling so bad. Like there's just so much inherent drama to it that it just made a much more dynamic story than just trying to, we were, we didn't want to make a travelogue. Mm. You know, there's, there's been loads of whiskey films that are great that are travelogues. This week we're here, this week we're here, this week they're going to teach us about Pete, this week they're going to show us how to make a barrel. And I'm, I'm not disparaging those films at all. They're, they're, I find them very entertaining and educational. It's just not what we wanted to do. And we felt like it had been done. Yeah. I mean, this did connect a lot of dots for me because I've seen a few whiskey movies in my time and you think you know a story of a distillery, you think you know the history of Scotch whiskey, but every time I watch one of these films, there's there's new stuff, you know. So I thought I knew the story of Brook Laddie from another film, but then in this one, 
it goes into so much more detail. I didn't know about all those different bottlings they did when they first started, like the yellow submarine and all that kind of stuff. Um, I hadn't made the connection between Brook Laddie and Waterford, for example, through Mark Rainier. I knew about Waterford and what they've been doing with Terroir, et cetera. And I thought I knew the Brook Laddie story, but I didn't know he was a connecting factor. Well, yeah, that's, he's a fascinating guy and we were really lucky to get him. And, and, I, and you know, I know the story of Brook Laddie has been told in other media, other films and other stories, but no one has ever interviewed Mark about it before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he seems like such a key part of this of this film as well. So uh, I I think they're great interviews and and the dynamic between him and Jim is 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 quite something. Um, what I found really good. I mean, essentially, it's a story about whiskey, but it's not. It's a story about the people. Mm. And I what I love about it. I mean, I don't know if you intended this, but I definitely had something in my eye at the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> The, the 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 passing on of the information and and the way you planted that seed in early on when talking about Jim's story and the the other uh, distiller um, master distiller stories and then you show the future and the, that passing of the baton and how that yeah. happens and all that kind of, all that narrative that went through the film and I wasn't even aware it was there until right at the end and then you got that payoff and I was like oh my God, look at this. This is just amazing. Mm. And I I really enjoyed seeing seeing that side of whiskey, that it's about these people and these communities. At what point within your research did it become really apparent that actually this, this isn't just about a drink. This is about people and these people are pretty special. Well, you know, it's funny. I think that lesson really landed on me when we were researching um, Campbellton and Springbank. Uh, is the idea that, you know, that was the major industry of the entire town. And, you know, whiskey, you used to call it the whiskey capital of the world, and it, you know, all but disappeared completely. And so that got me really interested in exploring that. And then two things happened to us, while one while we were prepping it, and one while we were shooting it. The, while we were prepping it, we had reached out. I actually, just by pure dumb luck, met the Balvenie brand ambassador for the U.S., a guy named David Laird, at a party. And we started talking about Balvenny and, and he said, Oh, you know, you guys should talk to David Stewart because, you know, David doesn't promote it because he's a very quiet, humble guy, but he really kind of was one of the first guys to start experimenting in whiskey. So when we were discussing that with, with Balvenny, they got back to us and they said, you know, David just announced his, his, his uh, heir apparent. He has chosen an apprentice. Finally, would you be interested in talking to both of them? And we said, yeah, absolutely. You know? And so then that happened. And then the second day of our shoot, when we were interviewing Adam Hannett about having been Jim's apprentice and taking over, the end of Adam's interview is when I think that night we all went home. We, I said we rented houses. A house we stayed in was like three doors from Brooklady. So we would walk there. We all walked back to the house that night and we were like, that's, we got it. Like, this is the thread that's going to tie all these together into back into time immemorial, back into the mists of, you know, ancient time these these guys have these connections and nowadays you can run a distillery with an ipad but mm. what happens if you don't use the technique whether you use them or not if you don't teach them they're gone you know yeah. and then yeah. that's then we spent a day at ben romick and they're very very hands-on at ben romick as well and that was pretty cool yeah there were some great stories you mentioned adam no hannett there the black art recipe story for me was great i won't spoil it now and the uh, the penny in your pocket story was one which really uh, mm. yeah got me going Amazing stories. That's the one that makes people cry. The penny in your pocket. (laughs) 
You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. So tell us about the Burns Night launch event, because this Friday people will be able to see it. Uh, spread over six nights, right? It's, I'll tell you why it's six nights, too. The idea originally was to do just Burns Night, and we were going to do an event. We're going to stream it one time only. It was going to be our own little festival. But what happened was, in November, we showed everybody who's in the film the film. And then we asked them who would be interested in doing a, a Q&A or a live appearance with us online. And every single one of them said yes. Uh, so then we were like, well, you can't, there'd be no value in, in a, a Zoom Q&A with Jim McEwen and David Stewart and Charles McLean and Adam Hannon and Rachel Berry and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all at once. Yeah. So we said, let's just, let's just let the film play as many days as it takes. And then we kind of mapped out, we need six days. So we decided, okay, six days it is. Uh, so yeah, we're going to stream the film. Um, it, it, one thing that I don't think uh, we are doing a good enough job so far of explaining is we're not, the, the, the film isn't timed to a stream. Like anyone who buys a ticket can watch it that day for oh, 24 right. hours, whenever they want to watch it. They don't, there's not a 7 PM start time, but the Q and A's do the Q and A's are live events with real people who live in the UK. And therefore we have to kind of time them to their schedules. I can't do it at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jim's been incredibly gracious with us, but I don't think he's going to get up at four o'clock in the morning. For us. <laughs> um, so, uh, and uh, you know, we're going to do these live Q and A's every day for six days. And that's, I'm, I'm both excited and nervous about because I have to participate in them <laughs> and sort of make them entertaining. Although these guys don't need help. They're all pros. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, you know, like I said earlier, one of the real challenges of making a film about food or drink is that you can't taste it. Hmm. Um, you know, you watch a cooking show, you can't taste the food. So we were like, well, we did an advanced screening in Glasgow, um, last year, sort of a, it wasn't a rough cut. It was a fine cut, but it wasn't quite finished. We wanted to kind of get some audience feedback. So we did a thing. And then what we did is we actually had drams at the Grosvenor theater in Glasgow. There's a little table between every other seat. So we set out drams that corresponded with the film. Nice. And then we were like, well, let's, why don't we try to do that with, the film at home. And so uh, I saw you have, uh, you had one there behind you. There it is. I have one here. Yeah. yeah. I will tell you, we're, we're probably, this went, we sold out by the way, um, today. Ah. And yes, that's the, the, um, the tasting mat, the very colorful tasting mat. Um, so what we did is we, we put color codes there because during the film, when you watch it on our Burns Night event, those six different circles will appear in one at a time in the lower left of your screen for seven seconds when the section about that whiskey is about to start. Oh, amazing. amazing. I thought it was just um, because of the test tubes. That's what. But, uh, well, no, that's why that's that, the idea being that the colors was that you don't want, if people watch movies in the dark and you didn't want people to have to read and try to figure out which one's which. So this way you just have to be blue, yellow, red, you know, etc. Yeah. And they're distillery based, not expression based. So like we're, this went, this tasting kit went so well, we'll do, we're going to do another one and we'll use the same distilleries, but with diff- six different expressions. Right. Nice, nice. So we so can change them out without having to change the dots. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your main takeaway from, from this? Well, obviously you, you liked whiskey beforehand and having gone through this process of making a film and learning a bit more about some of the people or some of the distilleries, what, what's the main thing? I mean, I, I, I think I know what the answer is because I've seen the film and I think it's what you're trying to portray, but is there, is there one thing which you really th- were surprised about as you were making the film and ha- having gone through the process which you really want other people to know about? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, there absolutely is. Um, I wonder if I can distill it down 
<laughs> Sorry about the pun. Uh, you know, um, because I really, really appreciate the craftsmanship uh, that goes into whiskeys. I really like this sort of human touch of them all that, that you can sort of, you know, I'll give you an example. There's, there's a lot of brands that you see pop up with independent bottlers all the time. They're just common. You know, there's like, you'll never find a Balvenia in independent bottlers hands, but you'll find plenty of Kalila. You see loads of Kalila independent bottler expressions. And almost without exception, I find the independent bottling expressions as good or better than the official bottlings of those distilleries. Mm. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to me how there's this, opportunity to kind of get there's a, a depth and a complexity that you can bring to this that these experts can bring to this that i can't but that is just transcendent and there's something about the appreciation of that that i, I absolutely adore and it, at its best you know i have like these weird relationships with whiskeys sometimes and um <laughs> there's a yeah, i have a bottle here next to me a scotch malt whiskey society uh cherry blossom petty force I can, um, it's, it's 41, one, three, five. I don't know if you can see this, but there's one dram left at the bottom of it. Yeah. And I can't bring myself to finish it because I absolutely love that whiskey. I absolutely love it. And I, so I just keep that one dram around. Yeah. (laughs) I think, um, I, I, obviously I don't think you know that much about us, but Nick and I have been going on this whiskey journey ourselves. uh, where when we started this podcast, I had no idea what independent bottlers were. And now I think you're right. I when, when it first started becoming apparent to me that these existed and what they were doing, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. How does that work? And how amazing is it that you essentially have your own personal curator of whiskey? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that you get to have these small, like these one-off flavors that you're never going to get ever again that you can just enjoy it for that one moment. And and I find that, that whole side of this fascinating. And I understand why the whiskey makers have to have that, you know, their, their standard bottle, which can go on the shelves, and all, all the distilleries have that, which mm-hmm. can go on the sh- all over the world and be the same no matter where you get it. But for me, the part of the whole fun about this is the fact that we are finding out about all these ridiculously unique bottles and unique flavors that we're just going to get one of if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a whole side of this this world which has blown me away and I'm glad that you've, you've focused it on, on the film as well because it was I, I want more people to know about it because I think it makes the industry more interesting I think it makes getting yeah. into whiskey more interesting than any other spirit Yeah, as you said it's that, that uniqueness that you you don't see anywhere else and there's a there's a sort of a there's a fatalism to it where you're this is a single cask I'm going to get this once it's amazing and then you have to kind of let it go. And even this, when I say I've been keeping it around, I've been keeping it around for like two weeks. So, you know, I, 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 haven't, been, I haven't been dragging it around for years with me. I won't, I don't have that kind of tenacity. Uh, um, but, you know, the other, Neil Ridley, um, who we interviewed in the film said to me, I asked him, I said, what is a good metaphor for independent bottling in the world? And he's the only person that ever gave me an answer that was, that immediately made me light up. He said, it's like bootleg records. Right. Yes, you've heard you've heard this album before, but by the way, here's a live recording of this concert. You can hear how it's different. It's the same band, same songs, but it's different. That's a great way of putting it. I love that. Yeah, we're both musicians, so that's, that that resonates with us. Well, I know yeah. I know Neil used to be an A and R guy, so I know that he's a you know um, a lot of the answers. Well, he even in the film he talks about Billy Walker as a, as a producer who can hear someone whistles yeah. a song and he can hear the whole song in his head. Mm. And I, you know, and I think independent bottlers, there's a trust you have to give them 
Like, I don't know this whiskey, but I trust, well, like that with the Dal Ewan. I, I don't, I honestly, I don't know that I've ever had a Dal Ewan before, but I trust the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. And yeah. so, yeah, absolutely. The whiskey. What a lovely guy. Lovely guy. Uh, so thank you, Greg, for spending that time with us. And of course, you can watch the full uncut video of that interview on our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things. He had a great Zoom background. So, you he know, did. I'm all in favour of that. He did. All in favour of that. Yeah, go check out the Zoom background. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, and of course, you can head to uh, wateroflifefilm.com uh, to find out more about the film and to purchase a pass for the six-day Burns Night celebration, which starts on Friday, January the 22nd, depending on when you're listening. So, yeah, that that is a pass to watch the film, which you can watch at any point during the during the six days there's no time on that and a Q&A session every night with whiskey personalities in the film uh, and I think that starts at 7pm every night I think that's what, what um, the Q&As are at 9 9 oh right okay so yeah. 9 o'clock every night I apologise yeah. and so all of that is for $25 which works out about £18.50 yeah. and uh, you've got your ticket haven't you Nick I've got my tasting set and I've got my pass and I'm really looking forward to it yeah, it's a whole six days, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Since watching the film, I now wish I'd got involved with the tasting set. I, as soon as I finished it, I went and had a look and it was sold out. I was like, ah! Yeah. Because uh, I want to try some of those whiskies and, and definitely hear more from those guys. This film was pretty damn special. Did you enjoy it, Nick? I mean, we kind of hinted at this during the interview that we both enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved it. It looks great. The stories in it are great, you know. The stories uh, are fantastic. And that's, what, that's the real thing about this. This, is, this isn't just a film about whiskey. It's a st- film about people and their stories. And, you know, as I love stories. And I love these kind of inspiring stories. Yeah. Uh, and it's just very wholesome. It's very wholesome. Yeah. It's uh, great. I, di- I did not expect to get emotional watching a film about whiskey. And I full on did. Actually, it's the second film I've watched where I've been like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, and, and that's something that I wasn't expecting when we started his podcast. But there we go. Yeah. Yeah. The story of Jim McEwen and... He just seems amazing. I want to meet the guy. Man, I want to meet the guy. Yeah, he's he's a guy who's never going to retire. You know, he's just going to keep doing amazing things. Yeah, he just loves whiskey. He loves distilling. Loves pushing the boundaries. It's great. There's loads of other people in the film. It's not you know. It's kind of uh, that's the main narrative. But there's all these other little uh, interviews and stories as well from other distilleries and other. Uh, legends in the uh, industry so yeah and it, it, it's not it's not a film which is a technical this is how you make whiskey no film it's no. which is again it's not a documentary on how to make whiskey it tells the story of people who make whiskey and i think that's great and my big lesson which i learned which i took away from it is that single malt hasn't been around that long in the grand no. scheme of things or as popular as, as what it now is and the reason behind it was the independent bottlers and, and what they were doing with these single casks that they were getting from the distilleries yeah ones um, which were laying around you know not going to blenders wasn't yeah, it yeah yeah uh, Again, don't want to give too much away, but there's some really great stuff. We, we've talked about this from the Whiskey Show when we were back there and we were doing that. And I said that that was a big thing that I learned just was about these independent bottles even existing. But to find out how important they are in how whiskey is developed now and how a lot of these cask finishes and all those kind of things, mm. they're all kind of new things. And it's all about trying to make something which is more drinkable and is tastier and, and, and is everything that we want in a drink and they're not out the same way that Liars is doing this, doing it with non-alcoholic drinks. It's trying to make 
make drink more accessible to more people. Well, there's been this revolution in whiskey, which is doing the same. And one other thing I wanted to say is how beautiful some of the shots are. I know, again, we mentioned it in the interview, uh, but some of the footage is just incredible. And you're like, whoa! Yeah, it's... uh it shows off Scotland in a beautiful way. It really does. It? Yeah. Really yeah. does. So there we go. Check it out this Friday if you uh, if you can. And that's wateroflifefilm.com or Nick will put the link in the show notes and we'll make sure we'll plaster it all over social media as well. Certainly will. You're listening to Whiskey and Things. Seeing as uh, I've done some work this week, let's, uh, let's flip it, Dave, and make you do some work this week. What have we got coming up next week? Well, funny you should say that, Nick, because I actually have done some work for once. Uh, and next week, I don't know if you know this, Nick, but it's Burns Night, uh, oh, yeah. celebrating of the life of, of uh, Scottish poet Robert Burns. And uh, <laughs> Robert Burns. <laughs> Robert Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a Phoenix Knight. It's a Phoenix Knights joke, which I can't. Every time I see the name Robert Burns, I call him Robert Burns, all because of what's his name up there, Danny Gruff. <laughs> Was a whiskey drinking beardy friend. <laughs> yeah, Peter K. Oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay. Anyway, it's Burns Night, <laughs> and uh, so, and also. Because we've been talking about independent bottlers, yes, we had Greg, Dra- uh, Greg Dillon on from Great Drams, but we wanted to talk to more independent bottlers, and we've covered it a bit today, and it's a really important part of the industry. At the Whiskey Show last year, we met the wonderful Julie Hamilton, a real-life Scottish person as well, which is perfect for oh, Burns Night. Perfect. And, perfect. Uh, Tick all the boxes. Yep, she, she lives in Glasgow. Glasgow. And uh, uh, she works for the independent bottler Elixir Distillers. And she's going to be joining us. And we're going to be trying a couple, maybe three, of their mm. sweet, sweet drams. Yes, uh, yes. So, yeah, it's going to have a Scottish theme next week and an independent bottler. And Julie is just wonderful. She's so nice. And she's so. Uh, we, we had such a good time with her at the whiskey show. So, I'm really glad we get she's coming on. And it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a good show, Nick. I'm looking forward to recording it on Wednesday yeah. night. Put it that gonna, way. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday night's gonna be fun. That's when we're when we're talking to her. From what she sent us, uh, it's gonna be a fun night. Uh, Dave, have a. I'm uh, doing it blind. He's doing, I'm it, doing blind. it blind. Have a little look and uh, have a jug of water next to you, Dave. That's all okay, I'm saying. I will do. That's all I will I'm do. saying with that one. Excellent. But yeah, exciting, exciting. We got some great yeah. stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Um, just we saying. really do. Yeah. We really do. So thanks again uh, for listening, and thank you to Amar for sending us these samples and even making us stink about uh, this non-alcoholic whiskey stuff, which I'll be honest, <laughs> yeah. again, I had no idea was a thing no. when we started this podcast, but it does make sense. I'm loving this alternative old-fashioned. He has absolutely polished it off. So yeah, mm. check it out. But thank you very much to Amar. And once again, thanks to you, our dear listener. So we leave by saying cheers. Thanks for non-alcoholic coming. What? <laughs> Not the best sign-off we've ever done. (laughs) I'm going to put it in anyway. (laughs) Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.